As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to it. It is a Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendes and Julian McKenzie uh, with you to kick off another week in hockey. If you're watching the video of this and you're wondering where the hell is Ian, what is that mural in the background with like, you know, it looks like, are you at the Museum of Modern Art or something? I'm at a hotel room in downtown Montreal. Uh, So that is why the backdrop is way cooler and funkier than it would be in my suburban Ottawa home. Montreal is already a romantic enough city. So to see, I've seen the full uh, mural. I'm not sure how many, how much you can see it in the split <laughs> view that we have. It's a very romantic setting. I was about to say you were on like a couple's vacation or something. That's right. Me and Arpen are uh, a little, <laughs> little, little getaway in, in Montreal. Well, listen, I don't, I'll tell I don't you know what, how your wives would feel about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'll tell you. I'm in Montreal, Ottawa's here, but I think the game of the week, Julian, is mm-hmm. Thursday in this city. That's the return of Patrick Waugh, and we didn't see this coming. I, I mean, uh, when I saw that, I actually had to do one of those double takes with, uh, can I just check who tweeted this? Like, is it one of those eight follower accounts? I'm like, nope, it's the Islanders. They have announced Patrick Waugh is in as head coach. Lane, Look, Lane Lambert out. Wasn't a huge surprise. I don't think a lot of us, we, we all thought he was kind of on the hot seat, right? Yeah. Patrick Watt in? I didn't see that coming. And I love it because I'm here for maximum chaos. And I think Patrick Waugh, he's entertaining. He's a really good head coach. He's been good at the junior level. He was good for a season in Colorado. This is going to be a lot of fun, in my opinion. This this is why I, I, we all know I do different shows and stuff. And sometimes on certain topics, when I talk about them with, with Chris Johnston, he comes at it with a more rational view. That's very much on the ground. This is how this came together. The insider knowledge of how stuff comes together. I love discussing stuff like this with you because you're just like me. You want to see chaos and you probably thought of it the same way that I did where you looked at it and you were like, are you serious? Like this is happening. You probably thought about, uh, do you remember? Do you remember what his first game coaching in the NHL? Pushing like? the glass, yeah. Pushing the glass and <laughs> getting at it with Bruce Boudreau. Do you remember uh, when he started pulling the goalie? Yeah, with, with how th- many minutes left th- in the third? Four, four minutes you, left. Yeah, even more time. Are you like me, where anytime you see anyone pull a goalie with more than a minute left, you think? Well, Patrick Wye used to do this, and now everyone else is doing it now. There are so many things in the short time uh, that Patrick Wye was coaching in the NHL that it's fun to give a chuckle to. And now that he's back, of course, the first inclination is going to be, well, what chaos is this going to bring? Is he going to be the Patrick that we've known of him from his playing days, from when he was coaching, when he was fiery and 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 very animated? And, and energized behind that bench, even getting into it with other coaches. 
like and also the fact that it seemed as if the biggest reason one of the biggest reasons why an opportunity for him didn't surface at the NHL level at least partially had to do with his need for control. I mean, look at how we controlled yeah. in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, head coach, general manager, owner, every single thing with that team. So the fact that he's willing to come back to the NHL after all this time off from coaching in the big leagues, and he is willing to just be a coach and not want any player personnel decisions, or at least not for now anyway, and for Lou Lamorello, a man who's a stickler for rules and, and all that, and and he even mentioned the press conference, you know, I don't want to talk about that time Patrick got the one up on me in the Stanley Cup final, but he said he was the guy, he was the only guy he wanted. I just love it. I love this storyline. I think it's amazing. I think it's hilarious, and I can't wait to see what comes from it. Well, it's going to make hockey a lot more entertaining and fun in the New York area, and that's the perfect segue to bring in one of our New York-based hockey writers. Let's say hello to Peter Baugh, uh, who joins us here. And he's not wearing – oh, man, he's wearing an old-school Mariners hat. I love and, it. Uh, and, yeah. and Lions. And Detroit Lions. Yeah, Peter yeah. Baugh. Sure. We were hoping for Indiana Jones version of Peter Baugh. But this, <laughs> we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go with this. Look, and we're going to get into the fact that now you cover New York hockey in, in a few yeah. minutes here because that to us that's really interesting and I think our listeners would love to to hear a little bit about the um uh, you know the, the transition for you but you want to talk about a seismic news in your market boy Patrick Waugh coming in to coach the Islanders what was going through your mind and how do you think that's played out here over uh, over the weekend yeah well it was the uh the same thing you did I saw I have Twitter notifications on for Arthur Staple and I, um, my, our great coworker. And as soon as he tweeted that, I was like, no, that surely not. And so I like clicked on it and I was like, yep, that's, that's really Arthur. And, and, and it was, yeah, kind of the same reaction you had of, of <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? Uh, pretty crazy. Um, definitely makes things a lot more interesting here in, in New York. Um, you know, it's, it's, always kind of a shock when you see a, a coach firing, even if you kind of know it's coming a uh, shock to the system, but then to have the double whammy is like of, of, of seeing that it's uh, that it's a replacement of, and someone like Patrick was such a kind of like distinct personality in the hockey world is, is definitely surprising. What are your impressions of, I guess we'll call him Patrick Watt 2.0. We've seen what happened the first time around when he coached. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember, he won a Jack Adams award. Like it was, he did just come in, fight people, argue with people. He won a Jack Adams award. He won the highest possible honor you could get being an NHL coach uh, beyond the team accolades you can get with the Stanley cup, obviously. But what were your impressions of, of, of talking to him this time around in the short time he's been head coach with the Islanders. And we saw the video of him running practice as well. Can you just kind of detail what that's been like just seeing him coach the Islanders? Yeah. Well, the, the, it's interesting you bring up the, the Jack Adams award. Cause that was with Colorado, the team I used to cover. And I think one of the things that um, there's kind of some important context to go into with that award and his time in Colorado in general. And that's that the team that he w made the playoffs with got exceptional goaltending from Semyon Varlamov arguably could have won the Vesna. Um, he he finished fourth in Hart Trophy voting. A lot of the underlying numbers for those Patrick Waugh teams were not very good, and um, so that's just like I'm. That's and the coach coaching could help them win despite that. Um, and there's also like he he could have helped with Varlamov having a great season. So there's a lot of different factors, but I think that is important context with the Jack Adams award because sometimes the Jack Adams goes to the coach whose goalie plays the best in a less expe least expected place. Um, so that's one thing. Um, two, I, I, yeah, it was my impressions of him yesterday were kind of, it was like, you, you, you see the energy that, that people talk about. He's whistling. He doesn't use an actual whistle. He like, he just whistles. Um, he's whistling, he's banging the stick. Like it was a very lively, um, it was a very lively skate. I just moved here. So I hadn't been to a Lane Lambert skate. I think Arthur had gone to Dunn Islander stuff in the past couple of weeks. Um, so this was actually my first Islanders practice. So I can't speak myself to the difference between those practices and this one, but I, 
talking to other um like like other writers that were there they were like oh yeah this is way different um and and yeah i think that was apparent we'll see how it works it they won yesterday so off to a decent start but um yeah that was my kind of early impressions yeah and obviously peter they make this move as lou lamarello points out because they think they can salvage this season right like they're, they're not making this move because they're thinking about two three years from now they're thinking of the here and now how realistic is it, given the Eastern Conference playoff race, which is super tight in the wild card, super tight in the Metro, how realistic is it that you think the Islanders can get really back into a top eight playoff spot by, by the middle of April? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is the Eastern Conference, like you said, it's kind of a jumbled mess. Like if, if the Islanders go on a heater and win eight games in, in 11, then all of a sudden they're probably right back in the thick of probably in a playoff spot. They and conversely, we saw this with Lambert. They were, I think, they were in a playoff spot earlier this month, and then they go six. They are winless in six of seven games, and suddenly making a coaching change. So, I, I think it's entirely possible that they can make the playoffs. They've got a lot of really good pieces. They have an elite goaltender when he's at his best. They have um, Bo Horvat. They have Barzal. They have Dobson. So, so it's not a roster that'll necessarily blow you away, but it's one that you could see in the playoffs. It's essentially a very similar team to last year. Um, so yeah, it just kind of depends on like, do they get the new coach bump and how prolonged is it? Or do some of the problems that plagued them with, uh, with, with Lane Lambert kind of in the, towards the end, do some of those creep back in. Um, for what you know about Patrick Waugh and what you know about Lou Lamorello, how do you see those two coexisting? Yeah, it's uh, that's going to be interesting because I, I think one of the important things is that in his opening press conference, Wass said that he um, he he has no interest in in management in in doing anything with um, as like being the GM. And we'll see if that changes over time or if, if he wants more say in personnel decisions. But I think having some the fact that he doesn't want that or at least says he doesn't want that, I think is big and will probably help that um, them coexist. I also think that they probably are going to come at things the same way. Reading between the lines of Waz's departure in Colorado was, I think he wanted them to be a little more all in on the present. uh, Whereas the front office with Sackick and Chris McFarlane had just gotten there really were, I think kind of wanted to take a longer term approach and, and maybe not fully tear it down though. They ended up having a, disastrous season the next year that that's a different story but they they (laughs) instead of tearing or they 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 didn't want to maybe go all in on the present they wanted to and i and that was probably played into wab leaving pretty abruptly at the end of his his avalanche tenure um so i i think that lamorello and wab will be aligned in that i think both are going to be all in on winning right now lamorello isn't coaching for five years or isn't managing the team looking at five years from now, particularly he's, he's trying to win now. And so in that regard, I think it's a partnership that at least in the short term could work. You know, you mentioned yet some ter- uh, terrific insight there on Patrick wall with the avalanche, because uh, obviously Peter, that's the team you covered for a long time, but you've made the switch in the middle of the season to move from Denver to, uh, to New York. And I, I, I got to ask you, like, how intimidating is that in the middle of the season? Look, you had a great relationship, I think, professional working relationship with the Kale McCars and the and the Nate McKinnons and the, the guys. They would know you when you walked into the room. And now all of a sudden, it's kind of like you're starting from scratch. So, like, do you go up to to Noah Dobson and be like, uh, "Hey, Noah, I'm I'm Peter," and and like, how how difficult is that? In the you don't even have training camp to work on these things. How hard is it to be parachuted into a beat in the middle of a season? Yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely uh, the first I've told people my first I, I the first game I covered was January 2nd Rangers um, versus Hurricanes, I believe. And I had just moved. I'd moved on December 30th. So I had just gotten there and it was like the first time I, I like it kind of hit me that game that I had was in somewhere a new place, a new city. And it was very exciting. But I think at that moment, really daunting. Cause I was like, Holy cow, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe that I'm here. And it is like, like you said, kind of a shock to the system of, I don't know the security guards names. I don't know, like the, 
I, I, everyone in the press box. It, it's just like a completely, it's a shift and in a way that's uh, pretty dramatic. And, and so, yeah, it's been definitely difficult. I think switching mid season is not um, the easiest thing in the world. I think training camps, a good chance to kind of build some rapport with people, but, you know, it's, it's a really cool opportunity and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, definitely miss like my friends and stuff in Colorado, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cool, New York's a cool place. And I'm pretty excited about being here. It's one thing to be plopped into a new city and you have to worry about covering one team. You're in New York city and you, at least from, from what I've seen from your coverage so far, you've had an emphasis on the Rangers and now we're talking to you about the New York Islanders. You have to look out for more than one team uh, in your new beat. What is that like? Yeah, well, it's kind of cool in a way because I, I definitely think that like they were uh, the Rangers, especially, especially like at the start as I was getting settled, we're going to be just kind of to like for my sake as I'm getting adjusted, like focus a little more on them. Um, but it's cool that I'm in a position where if there's a big, exciting story happening, like hypothetically the Islanders hire Patrick Waugh or something, I could just uh, like essentially be the person to go help on that story and, and work on that. So I, I think that's a really cool thing. And I, I uh, enjoy and appreciate that opportunity. So it, it, it's definitely a, a different thing, like kind of juggling three different teams and I'll have some devil stories coming in the coming weeks as well. Um, but I enjoy it too. And I, like, I, I think it's something that, Work-wise, I'm excited to see what I can do in this setting, and um, hopefully it goes well. This is a realistic possibility, and I want you to tell me what your headspace would be. We're going to fast forward to June. It's the Stanley Cup final. It's the Rangers and the Avalanche. What's my uh, – well, one, I'll be very tired because I remember the end of the last Avalanche Cup run, and I was kind of running on fumes. So, one, I'll be very tired. Um, two, I would have a ton of fun. I think it would be really cool mm. to, um, like I, I would know both teams pretty well. I would say I would be able to see all my friends in Denver, even away from hockey, just like hang out with some buddies on off days. And, uh, yeah, it would, it would certainly be, yeah, I, I think that would be like, that would be a ton of fun for me. I'd really enjoy that. Uh, one more New York question for me. Uh, best restaurant you've eaten at since you've moved? That's a great question. I had um, actually with Arthur Staple and Christina Ledra, our editor, we went to, what was it called? I got a um, a Reuben at this place, not too far from, um, from, from Madison Square Garden. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was, it was really good. And I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I really like food. Um, I have a lot of opinions on food. Not everyone agrees with my opinions on food, um, but I have had some great food since I've been here and I'm, I'm excited to keep exploring. And if anyone has recommendations, I am more than willing to listen to them. Oh, Give man, us I, a controversial take. Give us a controversial food take. Uh, I think cheddar cheese is highly overrated. Dang. I'm not a big cheese person myself, so I don't feel a way about it, but I'm sure there are some athletic hockey show listeners who are screaming at their phones right now. You've <laughs> well, I don't them. have the, the food takes. It's hard for me to just pull one, pull one out of nowhere. I, it, they come organically based on what I'm, what I'm feeling. So, but that's as good as I can do right now. I, I thought you oh, were going to go uh, full Michael Scott with the uh, Sabero best slice. Of, <laughs> the best slice of, uh, best slice of New York pizza. Um, and New York slice. Yeah. Okay. Before we let you go, I, you know what? I do want to give you like, like leaving a beat is tough because not yeah. only do you create relationships with the players and management, there's something between you and your readers that there's a, there's a wonderful connection that we've, you know, if you've been on a beat long enough that you're able to establish and there's a great community. And I want to give you an opportunity, Peter, here on the athletic hockey show, just to talk about that community in Denver and how hard it was to say goodbye, because I know that in covering the Stanley cup and in writing a book and doing all the coverage, you, 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 you formed a great relationship and a bond. And I want to give you an opportunity just to expand on that and, and maybe say thanks to the people in Denver. Yeah, it was, it was really challenging and I appreciate you giving me the the chance to, to do this, but I, I think that, um, 
Yeah, like you said, you you build a lot of relationships while you're there, both with people in the team, people around the team, um, and the readers. And it's it's really a special thing, and it's really gratifying when you see um, kind of them. Like when I when I announced I was leaving, like I, I got a little a lot of really heartfelt comments and messages, and that meant a lot to me. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a place that. That's the first place I covered hockey in and a place that will always be really special to me and will continue to be. So I um, am extremely thankful for them. I've seen the questions about what our coverage will look like in, in Denver. That's a bit above my pay grade. I don't, I don't fully know, um, but I really appreciate um, yeah, everything that that community meant to me and the opportunity to tell some stories that I was proud of and um I'm sure our paths will will cross again. Maybe in June, like you said. You exactly. Never... Yeah. Exactly. That's what Rangers Avalanche sounds like a really cool Stanley Cup final on sur- on the surface. Having you in the middle of that, knowing both of those teams, I mean, if you if you weren't subscribed to the Athletic already, you should. <laughs> and hey, maybe don't count out Patrick Waugh's Islanders. Maybe maybe we'll have a yeah. Imagine the the. You could say say a Peter Baugh reunion at the Cup final. Imagine a Patrick Waugh Stanley Cup final reunion of Islanders. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez. Delicious, delicious possibilities. All right. Hey, listen, Peter. Thanks for dropping by the Monday Pod. I know you're a big immaculate grid guy when it comes to baseball. Yes. So when you're wearing that old school Mariners hat, I always think of Alvin Davis. Ooh. That's. that's I'll have to that's pull, pull that. Start studying that. Uh, that page. I. Uh, I think I introduced a lot of the a lot yeah. of our, our staff to the immaculate grid you did and look at it's, it's gotten it's gotten big since then it's gone mainstream yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's got its own sub channel on slack i think really I, I i think there is some kind of channel where people i know there's one there's like i think it is because there's one guy i like i was talking to about about puck doku on that channel so i'll i'll hook you up peter yeah, oh, I dude. also like. I would love to be. I know the Puck Doku. Uh, this is my shameless pitch to have have them let me make. Oh, I know the. I'll, I'll send him a note. I, I know the guy. Too. Yeah, I'm gonna send the guy a note. Oh yeah, I literally was at a Flames game over the weekend, and I met uh, Taylor in person, and we like chopped it up during intermission. Like, I we have a selfie and everything. Wow, we got you. Oh. <laughs> That's- I think I, I froze for a second, but that if if it didn't come, my excitement didn't come through. That's that's pretty amazing. I just Love I it. just assumed you were just frozen in in disbelief at how cool we are knowing <laughs> the guy who created Punk Doku. We know Taylor. Yeah, yeah, amazing. awesome. Yeah, I wanna I wanna find a way to get um I uh, to get Greg Keeler, the one shift guy from that story I wrote, onto a onto an immaculate grid. Oh man, brilliant! There story, you go. By I the love way. it. You've been running a lot of heat, man. Between that story, the Steve Carell piece as well, uh, a lot of people uh, listening to the show should really check out Peter Ball's work because he does a great job for us. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, there he goes. Peter Baugh covers uh, all things New York hockey now for us at The Athletic. Thanks for doing this, Peter. And I'm sure we'll chat with you again real soon. Sounds good. Take care, you guys. There we go. Always a good segment when you have not one, but two Michael Scott references or Steve Carell references. It's a good segment. Good segment. It's good stuff uh, with, with Peter Baugh. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Love The Office. Great show. Uh, the one episode I can't ever watch again is Scott. Scott's Scott. Are you like me in that? Yeah, I have a Scott's just... Tots t-shirt. A bl- the, really? the ba- yeah. The baby blue Scott's Tots t-shirt. 
Oh my God! So Michael Scott let you down on on your education too? Jeez. Oh man, but he got me a laptop battery, a lithium laptop battery. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was all good. Oh man, At we least. should do a duet of "Hey, Mister Scott, what you gonna do?" Oh, uh, man. what you gonna do I to don't... make our dreams come true? Dreams come true. That's so good. No. Hey. Oh, the cringe! It's coming back. Oh man, literally, like I can't think of any other. Like there's so many other like like I think of sporting moments I would never want to watch again. That might be like the only TV moment where I'm just like I can't watch that again. It's too cringe. I can't see Michael Scott let down all those children. I can't do it. What's your okay? What's your one hockey moment you couldn't? Re- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is for me because I'm a bit older, so I have a little bit more uh, yeah. runway to work with. Sure. 1998 Nagano Olympics. I feel like that's the last time in hockey. I truly cheered for an outcome because, you know, a couple of years after I got into the industry and now I, I don't cheer in that same way. I left my heart in Nagano, uh, Julian, yeah, like that shootout, watching that and getting up. I was in my last year of university and all of my roommates, Sean and Sean McAdoo came to my house, a young Sean, a young Ian in our early twenties at three in the morning, four in the morning to watch that game and to see Hashik stop every shooter in the shootout. Uh, it oh, haunts man. me. I, I, I don't think I could rewatch. I don't think I could do it again. That's my, man. that's my Scott's tots. That's my cringeworthy. Every time, I can't do it. Every time I read about the 98 games and how just Canada fumbled the bag, essentially just so painful, so painful for a hockey moment. I know for sure. I can't go back to the first one that comes to mind. Uh, probably that first round series uh, between the Canadians and the Bruins in 2011, when I think it's Nathan Horton who Nate scores Horton, the overtime seven. winner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, the, the puck shot from the point. I think it deflects off of Jeff Halpern, goes in the net. Yeah, that's that's probably up there for me. I'm trying to think if there's another one I definitely can't watch again. Uh, Carey Price getting injured in the playoffs against the Rangers. That's That's painful. I think I think it's that Bruins one. That oh god. Look at this. <laughs> oh There's wow. the cringeworthy oh. Michael Scott. So those watching on uh, the YouTube stream, um, shout out to uh producer Chris or producer Danielle, whichever of the two, uh they put up a screen grab from that infamous <laughs> Scott's Tots episode. Scott's Tots. Michael Scott is just beside himself. Good lord, man. This produ- this production team just amazing, Reagan. man. You guys are so great at what you do. Yeah, amazing. All right. So we'd love to hear from people in the comments section as well. What's your kind of Scott's tots cringeworthy? I can't do that again. Can't watch it again. Julian's going with Nathan Horton, 2011. Is that the game that PK Subban tied it late? Yep. To send that it was the game overtime? he tied it late yeah. to send it over time. I, I, and I remember I watching that game. Still remember and running up and down my house and just being so happy, be like, yes, he tied it. And then for the Bruins to ugh, for the Bruins to just rip my young heart out. That that was tough. Yeah, that was. It, tough. But hey, I mean, they they went to overtime. It, it it is what it is. I don't remember how the Canadians were supposed to be that year, but you know what? They were the Canadians were the yeah. toughest out for the Bruins that year. I will, I will, I will die on that hill. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I don't have it. In, well, no, I mean that the the Canucks probably were in the, the Stanley. Nah, Cup that game seven, the game seven in that Stanley Cup final, not nearly as competitive as the game seven or game in six that first round or, or game six. Like I, I stand Canucks on had that, him on the. Like, Canucks had him on the brink. Uh, Canucks had him down two nothing in the series, right? Yep. Uh, and then if I, if memory serves me, Boston after they beat um, the Habs, they swept Philadelphia, and then I think they they played the the Lightning in a seven game series, right? And yeah, then, dude, that was yeah. And I think that Nate Horton scored the game winner in Game Seven against. Ta- I want to say because I think I was at the game. No, I think I know I was at the game, and I think Boston wins Game Seven one nothing on a Nate Horton third period goal and Steven Stamkos, a young Steven Stamkos, Julian, in that game, if, if memory serves me, blocks a shot with his face, comes back with a cage. And I, I remember being in the Tampa locker room afterwards and seeing Steven battered and bruised. That was Guy Boucher, took him to the brink. And like, you just felt for him. Like you don't, you, you know, you just fell for him. And you know, his time would come down the road, but like, I, I, I distinctly remember the game. So I think it was a third period goal from Horton too in game seven. 
your your brain is is working right now. It's a Nathan Orton goal, third period. David Krejci, Andrew Ference getting assists on it. A one nothing game. Uh yeah, you 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 were there. Your your brain is working. There? Your brain is braining today, Ian Mendez. Okay, we we do have a couple of people who have their cringeworthy moments here. Yeah, we got yeah. one saying James Reimer. Now, why does Reimer get the blame on this? Uh, it was four one. That was actually in twenty thirteen. But twenty thirteen. But but do, are we putting the blame on James Reimer here, Eskil? I mean, it's tough to put it on one person for that. I remember watching that game at home and watching that third period and that Nazem Kadri goal. And I'm thinking, okay, it's over. Like, they should have to do this. 4 1. Like, they should have won that series. And then the Bruins just came back. Like, I, it's hard to, it's not like Reimer let in four bad goals. It's the Bruins just kept pressing and the Leafs just, I like, wow. Like, of all the collapses, Maybe someone will be cruel enough to do this one day. Who's going to rank all of the postseason uh, crashes from the Leafs over the last like 20 something years? Because uh, that I might still he, be. No- I think his name that is Douglas Brown, and I think he does that yeah. every year, doesn't he? Yeah, you might do that. But like that 2013 one with like the, the Canadians one in 2021 is right up there. But the Bruins one is also like they might be fighting each other for first. You know what, though? I think. Toronto fans would tell you that the 2013 one in hindsight was a good thing because they blew it up. The Kessel, Lupul, whatever. Did. They said, hey, we can't do it. And maybe if they won that series, it would have created like a fake mirage and they would have kind of stuck it out. Uh, the, the, tw- the ones that I think are really hurtful to the Leafs are the Columbus series in, in the bubble and Montreal in 21 because they had legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. That was the core. That was the group, right? That was yep. let's get this done. So I think if you're ranking them in the in the kind of last 20 years, uh, as as painful as 2013 was, uh, I don't know that it was the most damaging loss. I don't. I think 2020 and 2021, 2021 in particular, the path was right there for them in 2021. Yeah. By the way, I just want to commend you, Ian, for you know talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and actually providing some analysis. Oh yeah, because last week you we do got, have that. Oh, you do have a reputation. Jeez. You do have a reputation of not liking the Leafs and not necessarily providing analysis on this team when given the opportunity. So I really appreciate you taking the time for our listeners and viewers to do that. I think it's okay. very important for a team that doesn't get that much coverage to get that analysis. We have to serve an underrepresented group yeah. of people who listen to <laughs> yeah, sleeve stance. Hey, you know, easy segue here because you know who was on that Habs team in 2021 that took down Toronto. That was Corey Perry. And mm-hmm, you know, Corey Corey Perry back in the news cycle this weekend. And I think it became pretty obvious. I don't know how you felt about this, Julian. I don't know how the listeners felt about this, but the minute we heard, I don't know, earlier this month that Corey Perry kind of had the blessing, maybe that's not the right term, but he, like he had a meeting with Batman and there was no hurdles standing between him and a return, I thought to myself, this is the start of him coming back to the NHL. Like, like those stories don't drop for nothing. And so Corey Perry over the weekend, and, and finalized on Monday, agrees to a one-year prorated deal, essentially for league minimum with the Edmonton Oilers. And this is less than two months. It was November the 30th that Chicago, they put out that statement. Right. And well, November 30th was Perry's statement. Anyway, we're less than two months away from this whole thing happening. And at the time, Corey Perry admitted he had problems. He needed to seek help. He seek treatment, seek treatment. There's a great question to be had here about transparency and who has a right to know about what Corey Perry did in Chicago, why the Oilers signed him. And I, to this point, I haven't been given satisfactory answers i don't know that i personally am the person like do i have to know do the fans need to know Uh, to me i think every employee in Edmonton. this is where i come down on it julian i think every employee in edmonton that's going to be in direct contact with Corey perry deserves the right to know what he did in chicago what he's done in between now and then to get better and they should be able to Say I like this, I don't like it. I that's my that's if you're asking me who needs to know, that's the answer for me. I don't know where you come down if you feel like all of us need to know, and that's a fair that's a fair answer too. It's a good question. I, I I still think everyone in Chicago should know what's going on, and I still think of how 
like do you players. mean fan, like fans? It's a good question. I yeah, mean, it I depends know. on what happened, but that depends yeah. on what happened. And, and I don't know if this is wild to say it, but a part of me thinks that the lack of transparency of what happened with Corey Perry sort of kind of lays a foundation for him to get back in the NHL. Because if we knew more about that story, about what happened with him, then how would it be perceived that teams would be interested, depending on the severity of what happened? But because it's a very gray area, no one really knows what happened, and he was able to take time for himself and and deal with whatever demons he needed to, to deal with, it was up in the air. Like You can't say, like, oh, well, well, Corey Perry shouldn't sign with this team because we know of XYZ. We don't know the full story. Maybe Edmonton does, and maybe they felt that whatever they learned from whatever happened uh, was still was was enough to bypass or was just not enough of an issue in terms of signing Corey Perry. For me, I'm not completely surprised that we're in this position because, look, it happens in professional sports where guys, no matter what issues they go through, if they're talented enough, if they, they can provide some kind of value to a locker room, they will get that second opportunity. And I, I know on this show we've discussed, you know, hey, well, what's going to happen with his future? What's going to happen with the Hockey Hall of Fame trajectory that he may or may not be on? I don't know. That whole time, I just kind of felt that someone, uh, particularly the cup contending team, was going to look at Corey Perry's experience, was going to look at the cup that he won, was going to look at the goals that he had scored, the individual accolades, the triple gold club, and say, he is going to fit in our room. And, you know, it, it's funny that a team like Edmonton, who took a chance on Evander Kane when his time with San Jose came to an abrupt end. He was considered a reclamation project, and there was a lot of discussion about whether or not Edmonton should be signing that player. And while this year has been a little bit of a weird one for him, for the most part, he, on the ice, it's, it's worked out well for him with, with the Edmonton Oilers. So the fact that Ken Holland is once again going down that well of saying, hey, you know what? This guy's available something's kind of off there with what this player is going through or what he may have done. We don't know. I, I think the fact that we don't know, again, just lays that foundation where it, it might be a little bit more palatable, I guess, in the public view, or maybe that's not the best word, but it's much more difficult to discuss the Corey Perry situation because we don't have all the facts out there present. And look, I, I don't know either. And and there have been all the, the rumors and I'm not going to get into them and, and, and dignify them, but, Essentially, if you're the Oilers and you're thinking, hey, we're this is our best chance of winning a Stanley Cup, we're able to defend, we're able to score goals, and Corey Perry's out there, they obviously felt it was a move worth making. And on a 13-game winning streak, it's not like they are struggling here, right? Like, they, they won 13 in a row, and they bring them in. You know, Julia had a great comment uh, in here earlier where Julia says, lack of transparency could be for good reason. Uh, still with really shitty outcomes. And, and, and part Absolutely. of that, like, and I think... Like, let, let's walk through why there might be a lack of transparency here. Uh, one might be there's other people involved in this, uh, other employees that maybe were involved in this that were, were for Chicago, and maybe their identity needs to be protected. We have to be very mindful of that. We should be mindful. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. The one, you know what I don't like, Julian, in, and this is really in the hockey world, but this, this, is a, this is something that I think extends beyond hockey, which is non-disclosure agreements. Okay. Non-disclosure agreements, uh, you know, tend to wrap things up in a cone of silence. And I understand lawyers get involved and, and say, we're not going to allow things to get out. I'm okay for non-disclosure agreements to exist for things like, you know, corporate, something that's proprietary to a company. What I don't like are non-disclosure agreements concealing bad behavior, toxic behavior. I don't think that's right. And, and I'm not suggesting that the Corey Perry situation is that. I'm just saying. Sometimes transparency is needed to understand what's going on and 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 whether collectively maybe like people are suggesting, well, Chicago overcorrected here because of what happened down the road or, or in the past story with with, with with Kyle Beach. And okay, maybe they did, but if that's the case, here's what here's where I come down on that, Julian. Is I think one of the worst things Chicago did was allowing that guy. Brad Aldridge to go on and coach other teams and be involved with other teams. Like to me, if you knew what he was about and you didn't throw up a stop sign, that is, that is egregious. That is awful. That is indefensible. 
And so as I look at this situation, here's where I come down on it. I think it, it behooves Chicago, Kyle Davidson, whoever, to go to Edmonton, to go to Jeff Jackson and Kenny Holland and say, listen, this is what we found. Here's all the information we found. How about if you want to sign him after reading our internal investigation, be our guest. Be our guest. But I just kind of feel like if you want to correct the rights or the wrong, be accountable, be transparent. And I'm not even saying be transparent with me and you and the media, but be transparent with the potential organizations that are going to hire this person. Let them know exactly what it is. Because if I'm an employee of the Oilers and I'm going to be in direct contact with Perry, I think I have a right to know. But that's just me. That's that's when, just when, me. When you put it like that, I have a hard time thinking that Ken Holland doesn't know what he's getting into. Yeah, and if and I, if they I know, a, I have a hard time thinking that Edmonton right. at some point, whether they went to 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 Kyle Davidson, whether they, I mean, I'm sure they, I'm sure they they went. Well, I mean, I'm sure Corey Perry probably has his side of the events. Maybe they did go to to Kyle Davidson. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking that they just saw that he was available and just said. To hell with it. We're just going to sign him and not do our due diligence. Like, I, I don't know. And I can understand there could be something to be said again to my earlier point about getting a guy like Evander Kane and just saying, you know what? Like, the court played out the way that it did. He's available. We're going to sign him anyway. I could, I'm, I'm, I can totally understand that other side of that argument. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in this case, the Oilers said, you know what? He's available. He's out there. We're going to sign him. And they really just thought of the on ice stuff, which. I mean, I'm sure they consider the off ice the off ice stuff too. That's my ultimate point. I think they know they have to have some idea what's going on. I've I've refused to believe they have no idea. But this is all about trying to double down on your chances of winning the Stanley Cup and thinking that a guy like Corey Perry putting him in a bottom six role yep. could make a difference. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's also a segue into the Shane Pinto situation. I was in Philadelphia on Sunday as Shane Pinto made his return, Julian, from a 41-game suspension. That's right, 41 games. Mm -hmm. For something that we still don't know what he did. We do not definitively know what Shane Pinto did other than he was suspended for activities related to sports wagering. We can say definitively he did not bet on NHL games, right? We can say that definitively. The league even said that. And so... Where I think this kind of ties in with a little bit of lack of transparency is like, does it, if we find, like, if we find out what the reason is for, for Pinto, and obviously it's not related to uh, betting on an NHL game, right? Like, what is it that in your mind and in the fans' minds and in the listeners' minds, I want to hear from you. What would justify or warrant 
a 41-game suspension for gambling if it wasn't gambling on the NHL. And I'm open. I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm coming in with a heavy opinion on this one way or the other. I just want to know what, what like, Rafi Torres got 41 games when he hit Jacob Silverberg in the head in, I don't think it was 2015. Julian, before that, Rafi Torres had nine run-ins with the Department of Player Safety. Nine, including yeah. four suspensions, three fines, and a couple of, hey, man, you better watch it. Nine. He was he was a habitual line stepper. We so, I remember those days. Yeah. So I want to know is this like because sometimes I think I'm too like covering Ottawa and being sometimes I worry that I'm too close to a situation. And I'm very sure. mind, mindful of that. So I'd like to ask you and I'd like to ask the listeners and the people, was 41 games an appropriate punishment considering we don't know what he did? I mean it's difficult to answer that question because we yeah. in the public don't know what he did. The NHL has to have known what he did and they must've felt, you know what, this is like a, a good compromise compared to a harsher suspension suspension. Like I, I can't help but think that like, if you're getting that you're betting on games, maybe you're betting on your team, you're betting on other teams in your division. Like I, I something had to have happened where the, like, Recall, we know it's a gambling suspension, so some kind of bet took place, right? But if we don't know the full extent of it, seeing it at 41 games, I remember when when it happened, it was announced. A lot of people were very much in shock. And the one thing I I I, I don't like, and of course, as a reporter, I'm not going to like it. But with with the Shane Pinto stuff and, and even the Corey Parrish stuff, you can lump it just, just for this one reason. For not having the transparency out there, for not having the full story out there, or some kind of story out there, it leaves the imagination and the rumor mill yes. and hearsay to just so, run rampant. Yes. And you have all these different stories that come out, and all of a sudden, you have to go to a press conference and tell everyone, no, this really stupid rumor that we all laughed at, and I'll use the royal we as in the internet here, that was never true, and it's disgusting that people would say that. That's one specific example. You know the example I'm referencing here, but like, that's like the one thing I, I don't like, but that's also because I'm someone who wants to be in the know, and of course, in my job, I want to be in the know, and teams may hear that and say, well, it's not really any of your business. It's not something that we feel needs to be shared. Yeah, it's 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 it. to me on that one on Pinto, I would say the key people that need to know are now the his fellow players in the league. They need to know what he did that warranted a 41-game suspension, so they never do it. I agree with right? that. Yeah. Like, 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 like but but it's it's and players know, talk I, about that. And players yeah. talk about like the gambling rules and 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 whether or not they're they're being communicated and all that. And 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 it, it seems like they are. So for a situation like that, he Shane probably unfortunately ends up as a cautionary tale. Yeah. What not to do, whatever he did with regards to gambling. You know, but I think we're in this new era. And I thought, like, Julian, it was, you want to talk about capital I ironic? As Pinto comes out onto the ice on Sunday at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, the home bench, or sorry, the visitor's bench in Philadelphia, guess what the advertisement is on the rink board at the door? It's for Betway. Betway. I was literally about to guess Betway, but also you don't even have to look at the visitors bench in Philadelphia. Look at the stickers on the senators' helmets. Betway, we're bet nine nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, 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 like that's what that's what makes it so interesting in the fact that on one hand, what Shane did was warranted enough to suspend him for half a season for a gambling suspension, but we see a sponsor like a bet ninety nine or a Betway have its place in 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 hockey and and i'm not trying to stand on a high horse with with gambling if if that's what people want to do that's that is what it is i'm not trying to do that but it is a little ironic that it's played out the way that it did while knowing that gambling at least through sponsorships has a high place in the league well and i wrote a piece about this last week i spoke to a couple of experts including uh gentlemen uh by the name, a professor at UNLV, 
uh, by the name of Shane Krause, uh, Julian. Mm -hmm. And he is an expert on addictions, human behavior, and specifically gambling. And, you know, Shane Krause told me that it was 2018 when gambling was kind of, you know, they, they sort of took down the restrictions and allowed states other than Nevada to get in on bet. And that's really when sports betting right. went next level and you started to see all the ads. That was in 2018. And his point was, you know, they poured tons, hundreds of millions of dollars into that uh, realm, but they didn't throw money at research for what this could do to, you know, kind of figure out what, what dangers may lay ahead. And we're now at the five, six year mark. He's got a comprehensive study coming out in the spring. And he basically told me like the, the statistics are going to be jarring. And here's, here's where I come down on this, Julian. I think like whether it's the NHL or the NF, like last year, there was 11 athletes, Shane Pinto in the NHL and then 10 and 10 NFLers suspended for gambling related activities. So 11 pro athletes were suspended for gambling. And you got to go back into like the Pete Rose of the 80s, the last time God. we saw like this. So what's happening is all of a sudden we are giving young people access to uh, mobile apps on their phone that, that allow them to bet. They can bet in game. And I'm not sure that we've done the enough work on education. And I'm worried that we have we have put these devices at the fingertips of young people and i'm not saying that that we shouldn't just, you know allow gambling and all i'm just not sure that we've ever allowed it in this magnitude like julian when i was a kid not kid but when i was 20 and i wanted to bet on an nfl game i would have to like throw my sweatpants on march out of the house go to a convenience store fill out the little paper and be like oh, i'm going to pick dallas to win over Jacksonville, and then Fred freaking Taylor would run for 180 yards, and I would lose my ticket. But whatever, okay. And it sounds like anyway. But yeah, I had right. to be intentional about it. I had to be super intentional about it. Today, you could be a young person, and you could literally have uh, uh at your fingertips, and it's dangerous. And so now, when we are the NHL is telling, I mean, it could be. You're absolutely right. If you're not doing it in moderation, but there are different gambling sites and places that will have disclaimers that will tell you to bet responsibly. There are commercials that are out there. Like I, I understand the concerns that come with that stuff at the same time. Shane Pinto is not, I don't know his age, but he's not 16 years old. He's a grown man. Who's, who's, who's making money. And, yeah. 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 But he, he, here's where I'll, I'll he's got to know the rules. Like, I'll like how old, like, I'll disagree oh, sure. respectfully sure. in that sure. Shane Pinto just turned 23 and all of the players who got busted in the NFL, all in that same age bracket, they all, this is the Julia and you're, you're kind of part of this generation where you've grown up with a smartphone attached to you. It's like an, it's part of your hand. I understand that. And I don't think we did a good enough job. We got you all addicted to smartphones and then we kind of like, I can't believe you're we, I just think that there should be more done on the education side. It's not enough to just say he should have known better. Educate them. And that's my, that's where I come down on it. Educate them. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's, and, and ultimately for each league, it's on them to advise them on, on, on the dangers of it and, and knowing when or what not to do in those situations so that you don't end up like a Shane Pinto. Unfortunately, again, for him, you will end up as the cautionary tale for yes. what not to do to get yourself in trouble with that sort of, of, of thing. Ultimately, I think, uh, you know, these are, these are, yes, they're young players and you call them kids. They're still old enough to be able to use their phones and, and know what they're doing. Like Shane Pinto doesn't have to worry about his mom checking his apps or, or, or parent or whatever relative or anything or an older person in his life worry about what's on his phone. Like at the end of the day, like he's old enough to know what's right and what's wrong and whatever he did wrong, which kind of brings us back to the beginning of this conversation. We still don't know was the wrong move and he's learned a lesson, but, but okay. But that, that's the question. Did he like, was there enough education to him? Like, obviously now all the players know, holy cow, whatever he did, don't do it. My question is, did he know that before? That's all. That's a good question. And, we don't, we don't and, know. And he didn't. It's such a exactly. difficult but question to answer. It, it is. It, 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 it's I see what you're getting at, too. 
it's very tough. Like if we had like if we knew that he bet willingly on something, it would be a much easier discussion to have. I don't know. Like, Julie, he should have been if, if, if he bet on. I don't even care if it was one freaking NHL game. To me, I would have said you can go ahead and ban him for life. I, I would have been on board with that. I really would because, excuse me, it explicitly says in the CBA you can't gamble on NHL games. So yeah, I, there's a rule. I, I'm not going to sit here and give you the the you know you need to educate them better on that. That one's common sense, and it's in the CBA. That's common sense, and you should know but, that. Like, but whatever again, he like, did was not common sense. I don't think that's all. But again, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem with this whole thing. We do not know. Maybe it was common sense. Maybe it had nothing to do with him, and just because of it, like he has to take the fall for it. Like because we don't know that crucial detail of yeah. what he did to warrant the suspension. I find having a discussion about. Well, I think you're right to say that there needs to be some kind of education and disclaimer for young people who get into these betting apps. While at the same time, I still think that for a lot of them who get into them, you already have to be of a certain age to get into these anyway. Like yeah. it's on the onus is on them to to learn. Like no one should be holding their hand to to know how to bet responsibly uh, through. I mean. Maybe in some ways, like, yes, you, you, if it gets to a point where it is a problem, it's more than okay to seek help. It's more than okay to seek resources that can help you get out of whatever addiction that you are going through. But at the same time, for a lot of these people, the onus is on them to still take that help for them to learn about what is needed. But again, it's a bit of a moot point to discuss that side of it because we don't know the facts exactly unfortunately exactly. We yeah, don't and that, but, but that's what leads to this type of speculation and that and and analysis and and that's why our original point was this is what happens when there's a lack of transparency it leads to us kind of speculating and, and having these debates but uh, look i think like gary bettman will likely be at the all-star game in toronto and likely do a media availability and i'm sure these types of questions will be sure. directed at him and now are you now are you going to the all-star game i'll be at the all-star game are you going no, I'm not. But you grill him up. Yeah. Hey, why not? I, you know I'm what? Gonna, if I get the opportunity, it'll be the second time. It'll be the second time I'll be uh, in if I get to do it. Unless, like, you know, maybe we just let Pierre or, or the insiders go in. But uh, no, the, the chats with Gary Bettman are, are very interesting. I could say I, I could say I sat in on one. I got to ask him a question. I forget what was the question I asked him. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he'll get asked that question. Um. Uh, Speaking of the All-Star game, we were talking about this a few weeks ago when they, they said there was going to be four celebrity captains. And I, I think we got to take some credit here because we did nail at least two of them. Yes. Uh, we definitely said Justin Bieber. We said the Biebs would be part of it. Sure enough. Bieber was a layup in all fairness. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I don't think it was that difficult to get Justin Bieber no. uh, as, as a captain for this event. I mean, he, and, and he with, helped and design and the Matthews, yeah, and him and Matthews are, you know, they're they're buddies. So we figured Bieber, Austin Matthews, that was the slam dunk. We also threw out Will Arnett, right? Like we said Will yeah. Arnett's going to be part of this, and sure enough, he is. Will Arnett's going to be uh, partnered with uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, we still got to get you watching Arrested Development. I'm telling you. There's a lot of shows. There's a lot of stuff I need to, I need yeah. to get into. I will, I will do it when I give myself the time. Maybe in that, those couple days before the All-Star break, like I'll – or sorry, before the All Star Weekend, I'll try to you know watch a movie or two that I haven't seen. I I have I have I have a few in mind, but like it'd be nice to kind of catch up on but pop I'm, culture. What if all of a sudden at All Star Weekend you find yourself with a moment alone with Will Arnett, and if you have just even a few episodes of Arrested Development under your belt, you could make a little inside joke. I've made a terrible banana. mistake. I've made a terrible mistake, a, a banana stand joke. Anyway, but also it. Will Arnett is like is like Will Arnett. I mean, Lego Batman, Le Lego show. Lego Batman, Lego Batman, BoJack Horseman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God, uh, Blades of Glory was in that movie. Uh, like Will Arnett. Uh, if you want to go through the the All or Nothing docuseries, series, asking questions about Did that, which you, he he narrated that. Like that was really good yeah. on his part to be a part of that. But did like, you ever watch Murder, Murderville? No, I did not watch Murderville. <laughs> Murderville's good. The Marshawn Lynch episode is really good. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll add that to the, the list. But all that to say, like, Will Arnett is a talented actor. 
who's been in a wide variety of projects. I'm sure there are some other commonalities I could relate with him on. Uh, but yeah, Will Arnett makes sense. And then uh, we have Tate McRae, who the rest of the hockey world has no idea about for whatever reason. Not me. I'm up on I'm I'm sort of up on Tate McRae. I've I'm, I've been put up to date on, on on where her deal is. Her music ain't that bad. And you have Michael Bublé, who a yeah. lot more people know about. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's your final four captain. Are your kids up on Tate McRae? Is is that that's like kind of like in their age bracket? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, yeah, I think that they're in like they're they're in that Tate McRae uh, demographic. Yeah. But uh, actually, it's funny is our oldest daughter who's 19 loves like loves Will Arnett from Arrested Development. So something for everybody at this year's uh, uh, NHL All Star event. And, and by the way, a um, couple of guys that were hurt, Jack Eichel, Connor Bedard, aren't going to be at the All Star game. And now we know that Kyle Connor, Vincent Trocheck, going to replace them at All Star Weekend. So that's that's pretty cool. Like Kyle Connor, we've had this conversation so many times. Like this guy is, I don't know, I don't know how long you can keep calling somebody the most underrated sniper in the game until it's like. Okay, we get it. He's he's not underrated anymore, but I still feel like he's sneaky, sneaky underrated. Kyle Connor. Tell you what, tell you what, he's an all-star. You know who's not an all-star? Carter Verhage. Oh, take that, Shana. Take that. <laughs> we don't even remember what the bet was. That uh, I don't. We never. We never. You know what's funny? We never got to do a bet because, like, around the time we were talking about it, Kyle Connor got injured, and now he's back up. Right. Yeah. You back up. So, like, uh, I don't know how we go about it now. I don't know if we'll ever turn into a bet. I think it'll just be a fun uh, inside joke between Shayna and I, you, and the Athletic Hockey Show listeners. It's something they can hold on to. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. Before we dip out of this Monday show, I think game of the night on Monday involves Kyle Connors Winnipeg Jets. It's the Jets and the Bruins. And man, like you want to talk about, like just in terms of heavyweights. So here's my question. That's a bigger statement game for who? Winnipeg or Boston? I'm inclined to say Winnipeg, but I don't know. Am I right on that? Am I right on that? Like to me, Boston's almost at that point where like nothing they can do will prove anything to anybody until we get to the middle of April. That's when they can... So I I don't know. Whereas Winnipeg, this is around the time last year where they, it kind of went off the, the cliff for them. And this is a tough game and a tough building. I, I'm inclined to say this is a bigger statement game for Winnipeg, but I don't know. No, I, I, know. I you might you might you might have it right because look, Boston has already surprised us all uh, with how they've been able to play as well as they've been playing uh, with Patrice Bergeron happily retired. I saw a story actually float online uh, it might have been a canadian press story i'm not sure who got him but patrice bergeron is literally just sitting at home just enjoying his life david kreischi also not on this team too and they've through young players and and their established players the boston bruins are one of the best teams in hockey whereas the winnipeg jets it, i think there's a lot riding on this core i think there's yep. a lot um, with Kyle Connor and, and Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, the way they doubled down on those pending UFAs, and they still and they said, you know what, we're going to find a way to keep this going, and it's working for them. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe the the pressure's a little bit more on them, considering the culture that's around Boston too. And but I mean, Boston loses that game. I mean, that's that's not something they're going to be happy about either, right? Like that's they take they take some hit in some way. Man, no, it, that to me is the game of the night on Monday, and we'll be able to break that down on Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. you, it's me, it's the aforementioned Down Goes Brown. Sean McIndoo is going to be with us. And I've got an early start time, 10 o'clock Eastern time, 7 o'clock Pacific. Thank God I don't eight, live in Pacific. Eight, exactly. 8 o'clock Mountain Time in the morning uh, for you. But yeah, it, that would be might a lot not of fun. Be up. The sun might not be up at the start of the stream. It might eventually get I, up at the end of Really? The, the sun's not up at 8? In Calgary, so so in Calgary, uh, in the winter months, you'll see the sun come up at like eight o'clock. I think today the sun came up at around eight twenty-six. But we worked that <laughs> That's back a very in the summer. Very specific uh, number. It's not like you said eight twenty or eight twenty-five. You're like eight twenty-six. The sun. I for, I, for, I think I saw the timing for it somewhere, maybe on my phone or someone else had it. But like we we at least it works in our favor in the summer. 
where the sun sets at 10.15 at night. Yeah. The sun all, give it, all the sun take up. it away. Yes. So, sun will be up maybe at some point during that show on Tuesday. It'll be you. Yeah, just watch out for the beams on my face uh, while the show's going on. If I didn't close my blinds uh, uh, on Tuesday. There you go. But thanks for listening to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with Julian and I. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know you're enjoying the show. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Right now, you can also get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit athletic.com slash hockey show.